0: May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. We're going to remain in Romans this morning. I uh,
1: um, did want to mention that the, it is Palm Sunday, but uh, uh, I want to say real quick before we get in the message, what a joy, uh, what a thrill it is for me to um, to be able to just preach through through the text. As um, I said last week, I spent took off almost a year I felt like what God was wanting me to do, kind of topical preaching, and maybe you guys don't understand that, but huge difference between topical preaching and uh, expository preaching. But to be able to just take the text and just tear it apart and read into it and and dig down uh, it is such a thrill for me and so excited this morning. So that being said, uh, Romans chapter 13, uh, not politics this morning. How's that? Uh, (laughs) We're not going to preach on politics. Uh, So we're going to preach what the Word of God says. Amen. We're going to start with verse number 8. If you guys would read along with me, you have to stand and read, uh, honor the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> Romans chapter 13, verse number
0: 8.
1: <clears> oh, <throat> no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And that, knowing that the time that It is now high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering or wantonness, not in strife and envy, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the privilege of being able to stand and and declare your word. I pray that you would open the hearts of everyone here. Lord, take the distractions away from us. May our minds be focused. May we not be misunderstood. And God, would you do a work in our hearts today, I pray in Jesus' holy name. And Amen. So, I started reading this text, as I said, just the next thing in the scripture, and I started reading this, and it's really quite profound what it says, but as I was reading it, uh, I'm thinking to myself, Lord, we have a lot of love at the Sand Hill Church. Amen? Amen? We, we have a lot of love at the Sand Hill Church, and a lot of things about loving one another we've already talked about, and so what am I going to preach, though this is so powerful, what am I going to preach? So I begin to pray, Lord, just give me something uh, deeper, give me something more than just what we already know, and I trust the Lord has has done that this morning. I am so excited about what the Lord has, has showed me, uh, so... Um, so let's see if we can learn something different. If you really take all of these verses together, it's really quite profound. And so we're going to look at going to try and, try and dig in and dissect it a little bit. But let's start real quick with, just so no one's confused by this statement, Oh no man anything. Okay, read a whole bunch of commentaries and, you know, what the scholars say. Uh, but nearly every, I think every single one that I read, this is not a reference to you can't borrow money. Okay? Now, there, there's a lot of, uh, um, negative things said in the Word of God about being in debt. Okay, that's a whole nother message. And there and there are there are stipulations about borrowing money from one another and all of those things. But in the Bible, it, it is also not forbidden to to owe someone money. So if you t- if you take it out of context and say, "Well, this says you're not allowed to ever owe anybody any money," then that's not really what this means. Okay. So just clear, just to clarify that. So let me give you uh, Gary's translation on that, and you can do what you want to with it. But this whole text here is about love. Do you guys see that? Do, do we see this whole text is about love? So keeping it in context of the whole text. Oh no, man! Anything but to love one another. So here's here's Gary's take on that. And and you don't you can throw this out if you want to. Here's Gary's take on that. Um, I I can't do everything everybody needs. Your car may break down. I don't owe you to fix your car. Your roof might have a leak. I don't owe you to fix your roof. Now, if I'm able, I should. What I'm saying is every need that there is, I am not owing, I am not obligated to fulfill every need of every person. Does that make sense? I I, I don't have the ability to fulfill every need, but I do have the obligation to love everybody. Some of you women, if, 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 if my roof blows off my house, some of you women don't have the ability to come put a new roof on my house, amen? but you can love me. And so I, that's how I look at it is, owe oh, no man anything. It is saying uh, you, you're not, you're not indebted to fix everything. You're not indebted to owe them everything but love. You do have to love, and everyone can love. But this entire text is about love, and and it's really quite staggering if we look at it. And so we're going to dig deep into verse nine. We're going to just kind of skip over it just for a moment right now. Uh, we'll come back to it. Love worketh no ill. Verse number ten to his neighbor. The uh, the the parable of uh, the the good uh, the good Samaritan uh, lets us know. Who our neighbor is. Guys, who's our neighbor? Everybody. Right? Uh, the, 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 the they thought they catch Jesus up trick. Well, who is my neighbor? Well, I'll tell you who your neighbor is. Anybody who needs your help, right? That that's your neighbor. So it of no ill to your neighbor. So literally it's saying that love is always good to everyone. Now I know that we are a church with a lot of love, and I know we've we've heard this over and over and over again, but guys, that's pretty deep. You're always good to everyone. Okay, that's what the Bible says. And then it says, therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. We'll, come, we'll get to that in a minute. And then it, then it goes on to, to basically, if I could kind of wrap up 11, 12, and 13 there. It, it, is, it is kind of saying, uh, it's, it's time to quit fooling around and wasting time. Time is going by, the day is dark, uh, the the world is getting bad. uh, uh, We need to be what we're supposed to be, right? And and then he goes on into some, uh, um, again, we'll get into this here in a moment, but in in verse 13 he talks about uh, drunkenness and rioting and chambering and wantonness and all of those things, not in strife and envy, so if you, if, you, if you look at the definition of those words in 13, you have rioting and drunkenness and chambering and wantonness. Uh, that is the idea of alcohol, drugs, and illicit sex, okay? Are those things forbidden in the Bible? <laughs> okay. I'll try that again. Are those things forbidden in the Bible? Yeah. All right. But right along with that is strife and envy. Did you get that? That's that, that's pretty that's pretty staggering when you think about it because everybody knows uh, you know illicit sex and drunkenness and drugs that that's wrong can't do that but what about strife and envy because it's on the same list all right <clears throat> and then he ends out by uh, again keeping all of this in context and putting all this together it says put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. And I suppose you could preach a whole lot of messages on verse 14, taking it all by itself and make it say about anything you want to. But I'm just going to say that I believe this is in context. This is saying when your flesh wants to be self-centered, don't let it. When you want to be rude, don't let it. When you feel like being hateful, Don't let it. Don't allow your flesh to ever have its way. So that so that being said, that gives us a little rundown. We're going to try and pick it apart here a little bit more in the message. But let's just dig in this. So I have two words at the top of the page that should never be on the same page together. Amen. Theology, evolution. (laughs) Those two words should never go together. Right. What in the world is wrong with the pastor? Well, theology, that that's just a big, fancy word. And it just means study God. It just means a study of God, right? So we're studying God, but then evolution means that it's evolving, that it's changing, that it, that it's moving, and it's it's different than it was before. So so let's look at that, and let me try and draw you a picture this morning because I think this is really staggering. If we again, we're going to kind of focus in on verse nine and and verse thirteen, kind of primarily on the message this morning. But but let's let's think about church and Christianity. I would like to offer to you this morning. I've been around for a long time. I've been around a lot of churches. I've been around a lot of brothers and sisters. I I, I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of what is out there and what has been out there and, and, and been in church all of my life. But I would like to offer to you, on the thought of, of theology evolution, I'd like to offer to you that most Christians, most churches, this is where they start out. They have the understanding they are afraid of God. They come to get saved because they don't want to go to hell. They're afraid of God. Now, nothing wrong with that, right? And then they, after they get saved, what they're told is that, that you serve God out of fear. And so what, that, what we tell them is you better come and get saved or you will die and go to hell. That is true. And then we tell them you better be good and do everything right or God's going to get you, right? And so, and then, then we have the thought of if I don't do everything right, I'm gonna die and go to hell. And then we have the thought of if I don't do everything right, God's gonna strike me dead with lightning. And so we kinda of live our entire lives based on fear. Okay? Now you have to listen to me real clever, because I, I, last week I was scared you guys. I had a lot of comments on last week's message, but I was afraid you are going to get all confused about the, the uh, politics last week. Well, this week I'm afraid you're going to get this all mixed up and get confused. So I'm going to try and go slow and make it clear, but this is really important that we get this. So that is where our theology starts, is fear of doing anything wrong. I, I started my Christianity here. I was taught this way. Now, I don't know if anybody else can verify this, but, but I lived a great number of years in my Christianity, scared to death to do anything wrong. I just knew lightning was going to come through the ceiling and, and kill me. I I did. I was scared. Anything I did, I was scared lightning was just gonna strike me dead. I I I'm not proud of this, I'm ashamed of this, I, I don't say this boasting, I say this very ashamedly, but I can remember after I was saved when I did something, like after I was scared to death for years, and then I finally thought I'm gonna do something I shouldn't do. I honestly thought lightning's gonna strike. I honestly thought I'd, I'm gonna die. Because it was a it was my my theology was a theology of fear. Now let me show you how that works out. This is what's staggering to me. This is what's real. I really need you guys to get this. Did I say last week the politicians are all okay? No. no. Thank you, Kevin. Okay? I, I, I worked so hard to get you to say this. This morning, i got to work really, really hard to get you not to take this wrong, because someone's going to go out here and say the wrong thing, and that's not what I'm saying. But in the theology of, of fear, this is, how, this is how we teach people. If you want to get saved, you're going to have to quit drinking. And if you want to get saved, you're going to have to quit sleeping around and quit cussing, and, and hey, you get to go to Heaven. There's five things on the list that you got to do. If you do those five things, we don't really care how you treat everybody else and all the other things you do and everything else the Bible says, but you can't sleep around and you can't drink and you can't cuss. Now you, some of you think, well what in the world is he talking about? He's saying it's okay to sleep around. Did I just say it's okay to sleep around? I, you say, why do you repeat this so many times? Because if I don't say it five times, you guys will go out here saying, Gary's saying it's okay to sleep around. Okay. I say to someone, you don't think it's wrong to drink. So, uh, okay, but here's my point. We wrap all of our Christianity up into keeping five rules and throw all the rest of the Bible out the door. And then we emphasize fear above what the Bible actually says. So as our theology evolves, as my theology evolves, but as our theology evolves, we come, we read our Bible, and we say, huh, that's not really what it says. (laughs) That's not really what it means. And we begin to understand that we live by grace and not by law. And we move on from just keeping a list of commandments to keep from getting struck dead with lightning to understanding Jesus Christ died on a cross to save my soul from hell. And I love him because he did that. And now I serve him not because I am fearful that I will go to hell or fearful what he will do to me, but I serve him because I love him. And because he's a good God to me. And because he's changed my world. And and now if I do sin, it breaks my heart because I hurt my Lord. Are you guys with me? And I believe that I live a much better life than when I was living in fear. Because it's no longer thinking about me, it's thinking about him. And I don't want to do anything that my Lord's not pleased with. and and let him down. So now I'm serving out of love and and not out of fear. And I'm serving out of uh, thankful for what the Lord has done as opposed to fear for what he's going to do to me. I remember the time I had this conversation a couple weeks ago, um, and I've I've been told this many, many times, and I know a lot of people really believe this, and and if I can say this as nicely as I can, and if you get your feelings hurt, go read your Bible and tell me where I'm wrong. But I've had so many people in, in this church tell me If you don't threaten them with hell, you'll never get them to live right. If you don't tell them, if you go get drunk, you're going to go to hell. They won't quit getting drunk. If you don't tell them, if you sleep around, you're going to go to hell. They won't quit sleeping around. The only possible way you could ever get them to quit sinning is to threaten them with hell. You're wrong. You know why I don't do sins? Because I don't want to hurt my Lord. Because I love him. He died on the cross to save my soul. He changed my life. He's been so good to me. And I don't want to do anything that would hurt my Lord. Okay? And so now I serve from a place of grace instead of a place of fear. And I serve from a place of, of, of appreciating my Lord as opposed to fearing my Lord. In 8th chapter of Romans, 1st uh, chapter, it still says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Does anybody know what that means? Let me explain that to you in the Greek. That means those that are inside in Christ Jesus have no condemnation. <laughs> That's what that means. That's what that means, right? We're saved. My sins are gone. My, my sins are under the blood of Jesus. I'm going to heaven, not to live any way I want to, but to please my Lord because he is my Lord. But I would like to offer to you, there's even a farther evolution. I know that shouldn't have probably used that word. I kind of wanted to get your guys' attention. But there's a further evolution. Listen, the world has taken that word and made it a bad, wicked word. It's not a bad word. It just means everything's changing, okay? we're, we're Okay, we got that clear? But I want us to come to an even deeper understanding. So it's pretty awesome when you can go from serving out of fear to serving out of, uh, uh, out of uh, love for Jesus, what He has done for us. But I'd like to offer there's an even further evolution. And I believe that we see it right here in the 13th chapter of of Romans that we're studying. We come to the understanding that love is the highest command in the New Testament. Let me say it again. Love is the highest command in the Bible everything else and as I studied this and I I don't want to waste a whole lot of time on this but as I studied this just again all of the churches and all the things I've seen all of my life and my growing up and everything else it is staggering to me that most all churches don't emphasize love they emphasize don't get drunk and don't sleep around it's a list of rules instead of love each other and that is staggering to me. But when we really come to the place where we understand that the New Testament is about loving each other, everything changes. Now, I got to doing some study, and I'm not going to run you guys through all the verses, but this is, this is Jesus said something very, well, he, he he said they asked what two great commandments was, and he said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, strength, and, and love thy neighbor as thyself. Uh, but but they're all throughout the New Testament. When you really get to think about all the teachings of Jesus and all the teachings in the epistles, how much of it is all centered around love. Okay? And somehow I think we miss that sometimes. And so if we, if we was to change Christianity into always being about love, guys, that really changes everything. It it really changes everything. And so now I have to say this 10 times because someone will get this wrong. I'm going to read what my notes say. And then, I, then I'm going to have to repeat it over and over and over again. But I'm just saying exactly what Paul saying in the 13th chapter of Romans. Love is all-consuming, and the other commands almost become secondary. Isn't that blasphemy? Isn't that blasphemy? You're saying we don't have to stop stealing. You're saying we can kill. No, I'm saying you can't love and steal. You can't love and kill. You can't love and covet. You can't love and do anything Jesus doesn't want you to do. So those are, we don't have to come in and someone gets saved. Now, don't you go out and get drunk, and don't you sleep around, and don't, don't you cuss. You know what I got to say? Love. And when you love, it'll take care of all the rest of the things in the Bible. And so, really, the highest, the highest thing we can look at is love. And again, Paul and Jesus and everybody else, in the Bible is not saying that the commands don't matter. He said, instead of focusing on the list, why don't you focus on love, and the list won't matter anymore. Are you guys getting this? that's, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. I've got in, uh, uh, I've got in my Bible or in my uh, notes here. Literally, this is what the Christian life. is is to be. Anybody else believe that? This is the Christian life, guys. Th- this is it. It, it, it. How we got so off that, that being a Christian was keeping a list of rules, how we got so off that when we, people come in we're going to emphasize five things they have to do, guys, that's not church. That's not New Testament. That's not what the Bible teaches. What the Bible does teach is we love everybody. And if we love everybody, it will take care of all these other sins. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> So, again, that is there, are we, I hope Sandhill doesn't do this, but is there, if I'm at work, and I'm trying to get someone to come to church, or I'm trying to witness to someone, or Billy Miguel's out knocking on doors, or, or you're talking to someone that you love, and trying to get them to come to church, trying to get them saved, is their main thought, and, and the reason they think this, guys, if, if we could just be real honest this morning, the reason they think this is, is because of Christians. But are the guys at work, are the guys Miguel's talking to, are they thinking, I don't want to go to church. It's just keeping a bunch of rules. Because, guys, that's not Christianity. That's not Christianity. Now, does the Bible teach we're supposed to do certain things? Absolutely. But what if at work, I said... They, they said, well, if I get saved, I have to quit drinking. And, and if I get saved, i got to sleep, stop sleeping with my girlfriend. And, and if I get saved, you're going to probably want me to quit cussing. And how about if we said, well, what we really want you to do is just give your heart to Jesus and love everybody. Now, they might not understand what that means. But can I tell you what that does mean? You're going to quit sleeping around. You're going to quit drinking. You're going to quit cussing. You're going to stop doing all those things. That's what that means. But we've transformed it into a religion instead of into a relationship. And in a relationship, you know, uh, with with, with Renee, I, I do a lot of things that I know will make her happy because I love her. What if I said to Renee, now this is what we do in Christianity. What if I said to Renee... Honey, how much can I get by with without you kicking me out of the house? How many women can I talk to and you still let me come home at night? Who can I flirt with and and I still got a place to sleep tonight? How close to the edge can I get? But see, if I did, what would I be proving? I don't really love her. I'm wanting something from her, but I don't really love her. And guys, that's how we do God. God, how much sin can I get? I've had so many people ask me, Pastor, can I do this and still go to heaven? Pastor, can I do this sin and still make it? See, you're, you're telling on yourself because you're not in it to be pleasing to him. You're in it for what you can get out of it. So, so so we have to understand that that if we would start telling people it's not a list of rules, it is it is loving each other. That is that is a Christian way. So John 13, 34. Jesus said this. I think this is staggering. I I know it's not new, but it's just staggering. This is what Jesus Christ says. After the law has been written, after the Old Testament is closed out, after all the, the things that we think are so important, this is what Jesus Christ said. 1334. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. This is literally a new way. Now, how high of a standard is it to love the way Jesus loved? Jesus physically suffered for you and me. Jesus left heaven for you and me. Jesus suffered hell for you and me. And he said, the way I love is the way you are to love. That is the new commandment. Now, here's what you got to get, guys. Here's, what I, here's the whole point of the message. If we just fix that commandment, it doesn't matter about anything else the Bible says. Are you guys getting this? It doesn't matter about anything else the Bible says. You cannot love like Jesus and break any of the commandments in the Bible because that love fixes everything. And Jesus said those very words. He said, this is the fulfilling of all those commandments. You don't have to have all those lists. It's just love. Love one another. And it will fix all of the other commands in the Bible. So, and again, this is very familiar, but just throw this out there just so as we have it. In 1 Corinthians 13, we're not going to read it. I know we're very familiar with it. But it literally says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it literally says you can prophesy, you you can perform miracles, you can help the poor, and you can even be martyred. You can keep the list on all those things. And if you don't love, you ain't nothing. Is that what it says? That's a GSV version. But you ain't nothing. Right? You're you're nobody. You might not even be saved. You can let them kill you. You can do miracles. You can do all these things. And all of that doesn't matter if you don't love. And what is staggering to me as I've studied this week is so much of Christianity has been about all the things we can do outwardly. And it doesn't matter if I love. I know you guys are really tired of hearing me say this, but I'm gonna say it again. We see all these people who who have all these outward things looking really, really good, but if they're not loving, it doesn't matter. I don't think we really have a big problem with that around Sand Hill. But guys, if all of our focus, if every time someone comes and gets saved, if all we focus is on is a list of outward things, we miss the whole point. All right? So let's look at let's look at a healthy church. Let's look at that. So, you know, anywhere I go, whatever I do, you know, if I'm ever somewhere besides here, um, the first thing everyone always says, how's church doing? How's, that's, that's what you always ask. You know, when I see another pastor, how's church doing? That's always what you ask. And how do we gauge that? How, how do we gauge that? What's what's, the, what's the, the, the evaluation on how the church is doing? Well, Paul had an interesting thing to say, 2 Thessalonians 1.3, Paul is, is evaluating the church of Thessalonians. <clears throat> and this is what he says. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Where is the not committing adultery and the not getting drunk? <laughs> he, said, he said, I'm looking at you as a church... And I I am saying you are healthy, you are doing good because your faith is growing and your love is abounding for each other. Now, how many of you think in and amongst that they were sleeping around and doing... See, those things weren't present. They're not present in a church that's full of love. And and, and again, please, I I don't want to keep just repeat myself, but don't go out here saying Gary said it's okay to get drunk sleep around. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we have a list of rules and we forget the most important thing. So Paul makes a judgment on love. We make the judgment on how many people we have attending, how the giving is doing, all of our outward actions. We don't have anybody in the church doing anything big, evil, outward things. But Paul said, I'm going to evaluate the church on love. How much love does this church have? Right? And I, I think that that is uh, very telling of how God looks at at, at, the, at the church. <clears throat> So we've already kind of touched on this, but but just real quickly, if we look again in verse number 13, if, we, if we're talking about how healthy a church is, if I told you, if I told some of my pastor friends, Sand Hill Church is doing great. It's doing great. About half of our members are, are committing adultery and getting drunk every night, but our church is doing great. How many of you would think, Pastor, you've lost your mind, Right? You say the church is doing great, but half of your members are sleeping around and getting drunk. But if my members aren't sleeping around and they aren't getting drunk, but they won't speak to each other, church isn't doing great. Do you guys get this? What it's saying is love is important. And, And anybody in their right mind would say in a church, you should not have people sleeping around. Pastor, go remove their membership. But I've seen an awful lot of churches where they hated each other wouldn't speak to each other. And so have you guys. Right? And so we can't do that, guys. There has to be love is the highest priority in the church. So let's, let's move on to what is the basis for love. I think this is really, really important. I think this is maybe what we're missing. But the basis for love is forsaking self. Do we ever hear anything around here about forsaking self? Guys, that's what the Christian life is all about. It's forsaking self, willing to give up what you want. And I was just let my mind run on this this week, and I've seen a lot of crazy things in church, and so have you. But let's just make fun of them just a little bit. And I I got to think about all of the things that, thank God, we don't have at Sandhill Church. But you say, I don't understand what you're talking about, love, forsaking self. Let me just give you a few for instances. Now, we don't have this in this church, and if we do if we do ever have this in this church, the pastor's going to have to have a meeting with somebody. But why do people say, that's my seat, you can't sit in it? Selfish! I've sat in that seat for 40 years, how dare you sit in my seat? Now, me and Renee have been to churches, and they've done it that that way, right? They literally ask you, get up and leave, that's my seat, right? But... But what I'm saying is that is that is not love, guys. That is selfishness. And it might eat your lunch to have to sit somewhere else, but it's something to eat your lunch so you can sit somewhere else because we need to have love. And what if they're going to put in a carpet that I don't like or paint the walls a color that I don't like or do something in fellowship hall that's not my favorite or we're going to have service not my favorite way or they didn't sing my favorite song. Do you guys see how church is all wrapped up in selfishness? And, here, and and thank God we've gotten rid of this at Sand Hill. But here's the thing, guys, and this is so huge. We get our feelings hurt because we didn't get what we wanted. I hope we don't have this anymore at Sand Hill, uh, but, but I'm just going to speak for the pastor now. And, and if this hurts your feelings, then you need to come to the altar. But we, had, we used to this be a really, really big thing at Sand Hill. We still have a little bit, but, but we sing this song. Remember that? Congregational singing, you know, we'd have a request for a song, or the singers are up singing, would you sing this song? Nothing wrong with that, right? There's nothing wrong with, you know, the, I've had this song on my heart, would you sing it for me? Nothing wrong. Not, nothing wrong with catching Josh beforehand, and, and nothing wrong with that at all. Here's what there is something wrong with. When they don't, you pout the rest of the service. Guys, that's a real thing, right? Sometimes, maybe maybe Renee's voice just can't do that. Maybe they haven't sung it in a long time. Maybe the Spirit's not leading that way. Maybe it's not what God wants. But it used to be all about what I want and what I need. Guys, that's the opposite of love. If you come here all about everybody else, you won't care if we sing your favorite song or not. Okay? I've just said, it, it, we get so self-centered in everything, and I could go on and on and on and on. But when, whenever church is about you, we have to please you, or you will be upset. When church is about loving each other, it doesn't matter if I get my way. And I don't know if you guys are seeing that, but that is huge. And, and and we all need to die out to self in order to have love. Ultimate love is ultimate selflessness. Do you see that? If you really love, you forget about you. Guys, listen, We, we all of us guys around here... Uh, um, we we make fun of our wives all the time, you know. They tell us what to do, and they, you know, you can never make them happy and they complain. You know, we, we all make fun of that, you know. But but can I just say the reason that we do that is because we love them. Right? And and if you can get married long enough and love enough, you could come to the place where when Renee wants me to do something, instead of me being so mad, I am glad to do it because I love her. Is anybody getting this? Love changes everything. Now you're doing it with joy instead of doing it with grief. Now, now you're now you're pleasing your your companion. Now you're pleasing the other people in church out of joy. We've we've really done good, and I really want to give you guys a great big, big uh, pat on the back of this whole serving things. And we're trying to take trays away out at dinner time, and trying to wash dishes, and trying to clean up, and all the all the servant things we're doing. But 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 listen, guys. If we're doing it for the right reason, we can do it with joy. Can you stand over the sink for an hour washing dirty dishes and say, I am so thrilled I get to do this for everybody else? Guys, that that's love. Can, can you clean up the whole fellowship hall and nobody else helps you and say, I am thrilled I got to do that because I love everybody else? Guys, love fixes all of our problems. And self kills everything Jesus is trying to do. I hope that you guys are getting it. I hope you guys understand that. So let's look at something here. I, I, I think this is worth taking the time to do. But, but 1 Peter 4.8, it says this. Look at the first words he starts out with. And above all things. That sounds like we ought to pay attention to what comes next. And above all things, have fervent charity. I don't have time to definition of the words and everything. I hope you get the point. Fervent charity among yourselves, for charity covers a multitude of sins. Now I'm going to give you my opinion on what that means. Does that mean that if we have love in the church and someone says they're a Christian but they're living like the devil, we say, oh, that's okay, we just love them. That's the new interpretation, by the way, in churches, right? We're just going to love you no matter how you do. That's not what that means. Sometimes tough love, if you really love your kids, sometimes you got to say, son, you are wrong, right? We used to do this thing a long, long time ago. We used to do this thing where we bent them over our knees and beat their backside, right? That's what we did when they were wrong, right? I, I, I know you're not allowed to say that anymore, but anyways, that's what you're supposed to do, right? You don't, you do that because you love them. Is anybody with me this morning? So, so love isn't just you can do anything you want to, and we love you, but but love is l- love is is also it changes the way we look at things. So here's how I'd like to describe that this morning. Love covers a multitude of sins. What does that mean? So, I have seen in church, and I'm sure you have too, but I have seen in church where people allow love for family to go too far. Okay? So the preacher's sister does something that is just plainly wrong in scriptures, but he's not going to do anything about it because it's his sister. Okay, we've all seen that, right? And and, and that is sinful and that is wrong. I think everybody gets that. Are we clear on that? Okay? But, Let's just be honest. And I was trying to think of someone that I could illustrate with this morning, and I I couldn't really think of anyone I could illustrate with, because most everybody here is either related to me or or like my own kids anyways, but but can we just all just say, let me ask this, how many of you love your kids? There's two of you that love your kids. How many of you love your kids? How many of you love your grandkids? All right, it got louder. Did you notice that? It got it got louder with that. <laughs> I can't go quite great great grandkids yet, but but you love your kids, you love your grandkids, right? Now, if Josh or Rachel or or, or my grandkids, in in any of my family, or or any, any of the rest of the kids here, because I just love everybody, but if any of them went out and just plainly left left the road and, and, and wasn't serving the Lord anymore, it would be appropriate to take action against them because I love them. If I love Josh enough and he goes completely out, out, he leaves the church and he's out sinning and doing all kinds of evil things and and just completely wrong, I'm not loving him by saying, it's okay, we're going to just love you. That's not loving. The loving thing is to say, you cannot be a member of this church, you cannot work for this church, and until you get your life straightened out, this isn't going to work. That's loving, guys. That That is love. Okay? But here's the thing, guys. Please listen to me. I, 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 I want you guys to get this. is so, so, so very, very important. If your grandchild does something that's not the greatest in this church, how are you going to look at that? As opposed to someone you barely know. Because, see, what I'm trying to say is love covers a multitude of sins. The way I feel for Cason and Callen and Kari and and Juliet and all the rest of the kids, as far as that goes, but the way I feel about them is the way I ought to feel about everybody. Are you getting this? See, if if Kason is a teenager and, and he has a bad attitude one day, I'm not saying it's okay to have a bad attitude, but that's my grandson. I love him so much. I want all of you to love him so he never does that again. What if there's a stranger teenager here that I don't even know who has a bad attitude? My love ought to be the same for them as it is for Kaysen. And That's what I'm trying to get to, guys. Love, love is not permission to do anything you want. Love is not we're going to accept you even though you're plainly not a Christian. Love is not, well, you, you can just break all the commands of God and we're just going to put our approval. That is not love. That is, that is actually hate. Okay, that is actually that is actually hate. But love is, how many of you know, listen, I've been a pastor for, for a little while. And how many of you know that every last one of you, everybody here, uh, all of you guys mess up? Let's not pass you guys for one time. All of you guys mess up. All of you guys do things you shouldn't. And I love you. And I believe most everybody here, under the sound of my voice, really loves Jesus and is trying to be a good Christian. But sometimes you guys are not very Christian. But you know what my job is? To love you. Do I have to go through that 10 more times for you guys to understand that? Plain sin and plain rebellion needs to be dealt with with tough love. But people who mess up, we need to have love for them. And love will cover the multitude of sins. So when you go into a church and someone hates someone else or someone won't speak to someone else or there's, or there's a big fight or half church won't speak to the other half church and all the fun things we see going on church, when that's going on, does that sound like a church that is love is covering the multitude of sins? <laughs> they did something wrong. I ain't never speaking to them. And it's usually, guys, I've been around I don't know. Most of the time, church splits are over the stupidest things. I want you to raise your hand this morning, just real quick. We're going to do a little little survey here. I want you to raise your hand. If you are married here this morning, I would like for you to raise your hand. And last year, about this time, you had a knockdown drag out with your wife. You wanted to kill her, and and wives, you wanted to slit your husband's throat. I would like for you to stand up right now, all of you married people, and tell me what that argument was about. Because you have no clue. Now, you're just going to kill him. You're just going to leave her. You had thoughts of why'd I ever marry this woman? And today you couldn't tell me why. You know why? Because it was stupid. Listen, me and Renee have stupid fights all the time. I don't know that we've really had a good, serious fight over anything good. It's always stupid stuff. It's the stupidest stuff it doesn't matter. And then after it's all over, it's like, why did we fight over it? That was dumb, right? It didn't even matter. Guys, that's how church is. And if we have love and it covers the multitude of sins, we won't do those things. I'm trying to hurry. So I want to use a new word. I want to introduce a new word this morning. I think this changes everything. I've been trying to get this across. I don't know if it makes make Gary's way of thinking this makes sense. We'll see if it makes sense to you guys. But I want to give you guys a new word this morning. At Sand Hill Church, we have a lot of love. Can I get an Amen. We have, a, we have a lot of love at Sand Hill Church. When we go around Hell in Fellowship, a lot of you will whisper in my ear, I love you. And I'll say, I love you back. We're leaving at the end of the day. We'll say, I love you guys. You guys say You know, we have a lot. We say that love, 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 love. We have a lot of love in the church. Everybody here probably would say, I love everybody here. Okay, that's great. I want to give you some new word because it changes things loving. Loving. Because it's easy for me to put my arms around Miguel and say, I love you, brother but am I always loving towards him? Does that make sense? The old saying is, I think this is one of Renee's sayings, action speaks louder than words. You can say I love you until it's not convenient, then I'm going to stab you in the back. I'm going to treat you rude. I'm going to snob you. But loving takes that out, and now how does your action speak? Do your actions show that you love. So let's just ask an interesting question. If we were to go around this church, and I don't know who to pick on here, but if we were to go around this whole entire church, let's just use the pastor. I was going to pick on one of you. I'll just use the pastor. If we just go around this whole entire church, and I can stand in the pulpit, and I can honestly say, from the of my heart, I love everybody here. But if one by one, Tom and Terry was to sit down and interview everybody here, and every single person here, and they was to say, do you feel the pastor is loving towards you then how would that work out? Because it's easy to say I love you but are you loving? And, and I just want to get this straight. Amy, I want to get this straight. Are you listening? Not everybody loves the same way. Okay, I love Amy like nothing else but I can't love her like I love some other people. I'm not talking about affection. I'm not talking about ooey gooey, mushy mushy. It doesn't have to be that way. But there is a way you treat someone when you love them and you're loving toward them. And, and I can say I love everybody here, and I try to be loving towards everybody here, but with pastoring this church, we have a lot of different personalities here. We have huggers, we have non-huggers, we have affectionate people, we have non-affectionate people, we have people that, you know, the way we communicate is sarcasm and, and putting one another down, and we have, we have all different things, and all of that is just fine. But are you loving? Are you loving? And most importantly, what other people say you are loving. Because we started going in around and interviewing, and we got 10 people in this church to say, well, a lot of times they're not very loving. There's a problem, okay? So think about that. Loving is the action. It's not just the words. Oh, I wanted to get this. I just about skipped it. I want to get this real quick, and then then I'll go on. Got a big word here. Me and Renee started doing this in our home, and I, I believe, I don't think we've ever, ever talked about this, really, in our marriage. But we started doing this, I don't know, a few years ago, and it has really changed everything. I'd like to suggest you guys start doing this. It'll probably surprise everybody, but there are times when I am mean to Renee, okay? And there are times, that, like once or twice, she's been mean to me, okay? It happens, right? If you're married, it happens. In the church, there I try my best to be, but there are sometimes I'm hangry or sometimes I'm wore out or sometimes I'm stressed or whatever, and I may not be what I should be. So here's what we do. There's a little word called apologize. And it changes everything. See, me and Renee, we do sometimes have intense fellowship. We do sometimes fight. We are sometimes not very loving towards the other. But my wife, I want to brag on my wife. She, she, She is really quite amazing. I would say over the last three, I don't know what the exact number is, last three or four or five years, I don't think not one time has she ever been rude to me that she didn't come back and say, Honey, I am sorry I acted that way. Can I tell you that has changed everything in our marriage? Because for years, she could treat me like a dog and, and absolutely break my heart and never even look back and act like she could care less. You know what that made me feel? She didn't really love me. But now... If she ever raises her voice, says anything to me, there will be an apology coming. I've gotten to this little thing. I'm thinking, well, she was really mean. Just give a little while. She's going to be coming around here any time now saying, I shouldn't have said that, right? But let's keep it on Gary. There's sometimes I'm grouchy. There's sometimes I'm irritable. There's sometimes I snap at her. I say something I shouldn't or I'm mean to her. And I got to go back and say, honey, I shouldn't have done you that way. Can I tell you that has changed our marriage in every way, shape, and form? It'd be dumb to get up here and say, don't you guys ever fight? Wouldn't that be dumb to preach that? You husbands and wives don't ever fight. <laughs> that's stupid, right? That's dumb. You're going to fight. But guys, I love her. Let's say we're sorry. So what about the church? We've got a little bit better at this, but let me, let me say this, guys. It's not okay to come here. If you're hangry because you have an eight in five hours, and you're grouchy and hateful and mean, that's okay. Come back and apologize. If you snub someone or rude or you snap at someone or you're not what you should be. Listen, we all have bad days. We all have those times. We, we, we like to say it's never going to happen. I like to say from now on, we're never going to be rude again. Guys, we're going to be rude to each other. We're going to say things we shouldn't. We're going to be hateful. We're going to be short. We're going to We're going to treat one another wrong. Here's the key, guys. Come back and say, you know how I treated you yesterday? I am sorry. I shouldn't have acted that way. And it will change our church. You know, there are people in this church, and we're getting a little bit better at it, but there are people in this church I have seen for years be mean and rude and hateful and never say they're sorry. You know what that tells me? You're not loving. Are you guys with me? Listen, this applies to everybody here. Everybody here. If you are short, grouchy, hateful, mean, you need to apologize. And if you haven't apologized, wouldn't hurt you to apologize what you did yesterday. All right. So apologies really do wonders for doing. It. So, so last but not least, <clears throat> Satan's lies. Does Satan ever lie? So we're told here to love. Love has no ill. Uh, love is a fulfilling of the law. We're we're not to have strife. We're to love as we love ourselves. We're told all of those things, and it is in the Bible. But the devil comes along, and the devil has some lies to tell us. Let's just quickly go through these. <clears throat> you can't love everyone anybody ever tell you that I mean I love everybody at church except for those three people right they're they're, they're, they're so hard to get along with they're so but you know the Bible doesn't say that now I want to I want to make this clear uh, um, there are there are some things that can people can do that that may change the way we're able to relate to them right we all understand I'm not gonna get into that but but if someone Does some horrendous sin to you, uh, you know? If 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 you are if you are abused, if you are raped, if you are you know someone kills your child, you probably have a right to not feel exactly the way that towards that person as you did before. But guys, listen, the things we fight about in church, it's not that. It's they hurt my feelings. It's something minor. It's something that doesn't matter. Something stupid, and we don't have love. And we have to love everyone. So there's can't, there cannot, biblically speaking, there cannot be anybody in this church that I do not love. And all of you that are here, you have to love everybody. Not after what they have done. We've kind of just covered that, but we often think, well, I, you know, I, I can't love that person after what they've done. They really hurt my feelings. That's not what the Bible says. Okay? We have to love no matter what. And, and again, that, that doesn't that doesn't say that, that there aren't some things that are so extreme that it changes our relationship. But, but I think inside the church, inside the Sand Hill Church, I think that most things that are done, we need to be able to 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 move past them. It's too hard to live this out. So we can read the 13th chapter of, of Romans here, what we've just got to read. And we can say, God, I see what you're saying. That seems right. That seems, uh, I, I understand that you're telling us to do it. That's just too hard. I just can't love like that. And I'm telling you, we need to let God come inside of us and fill us with love so we can love like that. Because it is impossible in the flesh to carry out what God is saying, but we can love uh, according to the Word of God. I'm standing up for what's right. I'm not going to take a lot of time on these, but just let me say this. We've heard that so many times. And in so many of your church fights, what we're fighting about is, I'm standing up for what's right. I don't believe this should be done. I don't think this is right. And I'm standing up for what's right. And I'm going to be rude and hateful and mean to you until you get what I'm saying. You know, that's not biblical. I can say you're not bringing that into our church. Then we can go out back and have lunch and I can love you. I don't have to be mean to you. I don't have to be hateful. And so when we get in this thing of I'm not loving because I'm standing up for what righteousness, that that doesn't really work. So I'd like you to get this. This is really big. I know we're running out of time. You guys are getting fidgety on me. Um, We're we're coming in for a landing here, but let's just not miss this. I think we look at this. I think we look at this command and we say it's so hard, and and I don't know if we can do it. And God's commanding us to do it. And I got to try really hard to do it, but it's really really hard. But what if we turned that around and said this is a huge blessing God wants to give us? Is there anybody here that's ever went to a church where there was conflict and hatred and people wouldn't speak to each other in the congregation? wouldn't everybody went to a divided church where half of them wouldn't speak to the other half? Is that fun? Do you say, I can't wait to get there and have another fight, another blow up? How many of them say, man, I can't wait till we go out back at fellowship. Someone's going to get really mad, tell someone off and go storm out, man, it's going to be hateful. How many say, I can't wait to come to church that way, right? It's so much fun to just, every time we go, there's a big fight and a big explosion, they won't speak to that. It's so much fun. I don't think anybody says that. But in those churches, if we could explain to them, there's a blessing God wants to give you, that you could have what we have right here, if you start loving one another. Isn't it great to come to church and we just have love. I don't come here worried about who's going to get in a big fight today. Who's going to go out back and, you know, we have love. We have closeness. And there's so there's the blessing of, what I'm trying to say is, we look at it as a command that God's trying to make us keep, and we're trying to figure out how to keep it. And what God's saying is, no, I want to bless you. You'd be so much better if you let go of all that stupid stuff and and, and, and let God bless you. <clears throat> So I got this real quick and then and then, and then we'll move on oh um, let, let's let's go to uh, God is love point number four the highest form of worship is to fill his house with love I just thought that was does the Bible say plainly God is love Is't that what the Bible says the Bible says God is love wouldn't it make sense to fill his house with love? If his whole house was filled with love, I think that's the highest form of respect we can have. Now, again, don't misunderstand me. We run out of time. I don't have time to and repeat this five times, so please listen to me. In, in here, we don't let br- people bring cheeseburgers in and eat them during service because we say we want to respect the house of the Lord. I'm not saying we should. I'm saying we don't. We uh, we like for people to dress up nice and look nice like they're respecting the house of the Lord. We do that because we want to respect the house of the Lord. Well, there's a lot of things we won't let go on in the church. We wouldn't let someone come in and curse and things in the church house because we lo- we're showing respect for the house of the Lord. All of those Things are fine and dandy, but here's my point. If we're not loving inside the church, isn't that the highest form of disrespect? If we're not loving each other, that's worse than eating a cheeseburger in here. If we're not loving each other, that's worse than coming in here in jeans and a t-shirt. If if we're not loving each other, that's worse than, than, than coming in here and cursing. You say, Pastor, how can you say it? Because the Bible says that's the highest priority. So when we're so self-righteous thinking, well, we're not allowing those things into our church, we're a good church. If we're not loving, we miss the point. I hope you don't take that out of context and say Gary said it's okay to do all those things. I didn't say that, but but we got to go on. If we want a spiritual church, this is the most spiritual way. Amen? Amen? This is the most spiritual way so I I hope that we will think about that I hope that we will we will love one another that we will recognize that all the other things the Bible commands will be taken care of if we love one another that we will understand that this is the highest priority and if we we're all the time saying all the things that we are doing around here at Sand Hill Church but can I just say nothing really matters if we're not loving each other
0: we pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ if you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for Spiritual Growth of All Ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.